Hello, this is episode number 11 of the Seasonal Anime Checkup OVA podcast you can find at SeasonalAnimeCheckup.com, SEC.Cool, iTunes, and Google Play, those types of places. It's a podcast that has a conversation about anime, video games, manga, those sorts of things as well. And today is the continuation of our Persona retrospective that we started last episode. And today we're going to continue on looking at Personas 4 and the various spinoffs. So Persona 4 Arena, Q, Arena Ultimax, and Dancing All Night. So as always, I'm Jared and we'll be joined by Anne Lady when we get to the program itself. So let's dive into some more Persona and I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, let's talk about Persona 4. <laughs> That's how I was uh, so this is only a two-year gap between three and four of vanilla, of vanilla version. So vanilla version Persona Four came out July tenth, two thousand and eight, and then December 9th, two thousand eight, in the U.S. on the PlayStation Two. Yup. And then the remake or enhanced version, I should say, Persona Four Golden came out on June fourteenth, twenty twelve, and November twentieth, twenty twelve. In the U.S. on the the fantastic PlayStation Vita, and I have both versions. I only have the one version. I only have Golden. Well, to be fair, that is the better yeah. version. But I I do have both. I played um, Vanilla when it first came out, which is a perfectly fine way to play that game. Yes, it is. I completely agree with you. That was another one that like once you get the intro going, you're like, man, I am ready. Like that was a great intro, which. The intro for two is different from the one for the Vita. I don't know if you've seen it. Wait, what? The intro, like <laughs> oh, the, like the vanilla you, and the gold you, intros, yeah. Yeah, when you boot it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it also um, it just it sets the tone like this is this is different than three, it's even very musically. Different. Yes, it's very very different. So uh, not that that's bad. No, no, of course not. Which I mean, some people will disagree with you on that because they're weird and. I, I, I've heard plenty of people disagree with me <laughs> that they dislike four, but I, I like it. Um, it is a little Scooby-Doo-ish, but I'm fine with that. I liked Scooby-Doo as a kid. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Well, there's there's not a lot of development information about this game. I was able to kind of scrounge around and find some very bits and pieces, let's just say. This is from a post-mortem the, that Gamasutra did and has some information from the P4 team. Here's some of the things they, the team behind it felt was wrong with development. Storytelling. It took a tremendous amount of time and effort to finish the intense suspenseful story with as many twists as it has, as well as integrating the game's theme of how one accepts information from the media. While it was fun creating the mystery novel-like scenario, we had no previous experience in working on such a plot, so we were making adjustments to the storyline until the very end. Also, one of the villain characters changed in the middle of development. Since the character design was done before the story change, the design did not reflect the fact that he was a villain. Which I would assume they're talking about everyone's favorite MC, Young Detective. How one accepts information from the media. It's alternative facts. <sighs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, ugh. Ugh. I'm not sure what that sound was. It sounded like you just put your head in a trash can. I, and I, that's kind of how I tried to Yosuke this. myself, basically. Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I send you gifts of Yosuke and trash cans all the time. It's so it's fitting. It's where that boy belongs. Yeah, he can confirm that I do that. <laughs> uh, and then about the weather system. 
Unlike the previous title, Persona 4's time limit for each dungeon was affected by the endgame weather. We did this with the belief that such a system would create the feeling of urgency since the player didn't know when damage-causing fog would appear. However, when we implemented it into the game, players were inclined to make dungeon investigation their first priority. Their mentality was, if I don't know when the fog appears, I should finish the dungeon as soon as possible. As a result, dungeon crawling and working on the inner character social links, were, which are equally important, became completely separate and imbalanced. We tried to compensate by adjusting the weather, in-game messages, and story progression, but that created an unexpected workload. A huge amount of data could not be finished until the weather was set, but the weather kept changing due to our design adjustments, which I think that's a valid argument for that game, because that's kind of the way I play that game, where it's like, up oh, the dungeon, open up, do that the first day, alright, do those social links. That's exactly how I play it. And just like, I, I, I don't know how you balance that, though. No, I, I have no idea, but that's that's exactly how I play it. Is the very first day that it's available, I just go and I knock it completely out, mm -hmm. and then I just socially the rest of the time. Yep. And then there was a a little brief bit I found as well that P4G was originally going to be a PSP game, but the limited scope of Persona Three Portable led the development team to push development to the Vita, which I think helped that game a lot because essentially Golden is the PS2 game with a little bit better visuals and then some enhanced content here and there, which. Yeah, yeah. I I wish that P3P had been on the Vita so that you could get the um, the cutscenes. Right. I mean, what can you do? <laughs> what can you do? It's. I mean, it's not like I will totally take not getting those cutscenes if I'm able to control all the party members. Right. No, I I 100% agree with you. <laughs> uh, Persona Four. I I love four. Um, I would probably like. I think I like it more than three. It's debatable. Like it could go either way. But I mean, I have talked about this on, on another podcast I did. Persona Four might be my favorite game of all time. Wow. See, Persona Four is really high up there for me. It, it's really high up, but three edges it out. Yeah. But. That does not discount the fact that four is phenomenal. Um, like all the characters are amazing. Mm -hmm. The story is amazing. Um, the twist is really good. I, yeah. you know, it it took me a minute. And I think the um, stuff they do with Golden really adds to it. Like being able to social link that character, and then see everything kind of fall into place and have every like have it all crumble in front of you. Like it's more that was cool yeah it does way more of an emotional impact than like the original version does especially because like you can go confront that character you go confront adachi let's just i mean come on we're, we're gonna talk yeah, spoilers it's adachi. and <laughs> it's just like Damn it, adachi. I, I love that scene in golden where you go into the tv alone and confront him and you're like dude dude and then he, the he fires a gun at you and he's like yeah i'm not playing around this is real yeah. and it's just like oh god and then like i I think it might be one of my favorite Yosuke moments when, like, he comes and picks you up, like, after you get out of the TV, and he's like, dude, you don't have to go there alone. Like, we have your back. You should know this by now. Like, what are you doing? Come on. I I love Yosuke. Yeah, he's a problematic fave. He is. Maybe, he is maybe problematic not a fave, fave. but... <laughs> no, he is a problematic fave for me because he says some really, really d***y things. He does. Oof. Especially to Kanji. Yeah. But at the same time, he has a really interesting arc, and he has again really interesting growth mm -hmm. through um, through like acceptance. But he also, unlike some of the other characters, you know, once the other characters kind of like break through, they're kind of like fine with everything, right? 
like they still have some moments where like eh, Yosuke has back and forth mm-hmm. a lot, and I I feel like that's really interesting because he's kind of to me Yosuke is the perfect perfect like counter example of Adachi. Right. Yeah. If you put the two of those characters side by side, you can see how Yosuke could easily become Adachi. Because they're both, you know, they 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 came from the big city. I mean, same to, mm-hmm. same to the main character as well. But like, both come to the main city. They don't like the city or the the small town life, but they're getting acclimated to it. And then main character comes in and affects both of them in completely different ways. Mm-hmm. But yet, you're completely right. Like, you could see how. A simple flip of the coin and Yosuke is a dachi. Right. And they do, they both still have some of that like womanizer bit to him. Like Yosuke a little less so because he does have his crush where he's, he's pretty respectful about the crush, but, um, and he's also a kid. He is a kid. I, I give him some credit and that he is a kid, but, but they do have kind of that, like this could be a little bit creepy kind of like, personality towards women right and they're both immature mm-hmm. i mean flat out adachi and yosuke are both immature adachi has less of an excuse for it because he's like 30 years old yeah. <laughs> but uh i mean you could i i love that dichotomy of yosuke versus adachi because i know a lot of people put narukami as as the the fold to Adachi because you know they have the same kind of persona type deal they they had the whole big city like you were saying but to me Yosuke fits it way way better yeah it's like in, it's it's kind of obvious that like because they probably came to the city or came to any but around the same time yeah because they, they so. mentioned like it's like oh it's like a few months back that we came here and all that stuff or yeah I think that that's a that's a really excellent point Thank you. They also have a weird obsession with like weaponry because uh, Yosuke is like, yay, I have weapons. Let's play with these and go be a hero. And Adachi says that one of the whole reasons that he became a cop is just so he could have a gun. Mm-hmm. One of them gets uh, arrested for that. The other one doesn't. <laughs> right, right. So I, I personally, that's that's my opinion on it, that I see them very much as uh, as a fold against each other. And another thing very unrelated but um <laughs> i i want to make sure that i mention this because um i was thinking about it on my way home today from work persona 4 is very 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 good about talking about gender roles which uh, yeah yeah some people will completely argue against that and say it's there's a bad way of doing that but i would probably agree with you because you have so many characters in there that you could sit there and look at like, and and you have to consider that this is a Japanese game about Japanese culture. Exactly. This is not talking about the West and Western gender roles mm-hmm. and Western sexuality. This is not that. If you want that game, this is not it. You can't transplant our ideas onto their culture. Right. It doesn't work. So, yes, some people will be like, no, no, she's wrong. And that's fine. If you want to think I'm wrong, then... Whatever. I can't convince you. Uh, you wouldn't be the first person. But, uh, okay, so I texted you, I think it was yesterday, and I told you Kanji was best girl, which is a joke. Yeah. Uh, because obviously Kanji is not a girl. But Kanji is 
hands down my favorite character in four. Yeah. He's my uh, birthday bud. He, oh, he is your birthday bud. <laughs> um, sorry, that was a weird voice. <laughs> <laughs> Kanji, when you first meet him, he's actually one of the other characters from Persona that I have a figurine of. When you first meet him, like he's known as like fighting an entire motorcycle gang on his own and he has like a tattoo and bleached hair and scars. You're like, whoa, buddy. He's a typical and bad boy archetype. He is. He's he, he He's kinda like um if Shinji had just gone a little bit over the edge. Yeah. If Shinji was younger but, and was like try it was almost like it was a try hard. Right, right. And so but then you find out that Kanji is really into as he puts it, cute. <laughs> <laughs> He loves knitting, and he likes dolls, and he likes pink, and he likes "quote unquote" girly things. And you and you learn and, like that, like he beats up that motorcycle gang gang because they were being too loud and keeping his mother up at night. He was like keeping his mother up at night. I'm not gonna have that. <laughs> no, like he is the sweetest dude in all of existence, and I love Kanji. And I know that there was a lot of controversy, and there it continues to this day on his sexuality Mm -hmm. and the way that i read it when i was playing the game is that he was confused because of naoto right who presented as a boy at the time and then turns out oh wait naoto is a girl which if you didn't see that naoto was a girl (laughs) coming then (laughs) so i know that that's that's a complicated issue with a lot of people especially like western gamers that are are playing this game they were upset about the the way that kanji's sexuality was treated and whether or not he is gay bisexual straight etc and i think a lot of people Um, just don't realize as well as like the dude's 15 like right he's not gonna know all that they're so young yeah um so like he's learning (laughs) yeah but what is clear is that he does like naoto yeah that's what we know end of story and he likes Naoto whether she's a boy or a girl. It doesn't matter what gender she presented as. He liked Naoto. It was the person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think that's really, really an interesting thing to look at is that he is a young guy figuring out what he likes. Yeah. Which I think Apparently you can... it's think, uh, smart chicks. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, like, you can you can make a similar argument about Naoto as well because... She presents herself as, you know, a guy, obviously, just because she has to. Because yeah, the way, like, the way the Japanese workplace is, like, especially for, like, you know, police and detectives and all that stuff, if she, if they thought she was a girl or anything, they wouldn't take her seriously, especially how young she is, because she's, she's also 15. Right. So, like, she has to present herself as this guy, as this, like, this tough, stern, cold young detective or else like no one's going to take her seriously even though she knows what she's doing she knows what she's talking about and if not like they're just going to throw her to the side and just not care and she's not going to be able to get work or anything and a lot of people i mean they confuse that with her being transgender which right it's 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 an it's an understandable argument especially with the way her dungeon goes and like how her shadow wants to make her wants to change her gender to male and all that stuff change her yeah but i think like um Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Like, No, go. I think her arc is almost similar 
to Haruka from Sailor Moon because Haruka from Sailor Moon also does a similar thing where like she's a race car driver and she's very androgynous so where people think she's a guy but like she's obviously not but like she she just doesn't care she doesn't like correct people if they say like oh you're a dude you're Mitra's boyfriend she just doesn't correct him she just doesn't care and like she kind of has to do that in a way because she's in this male dominated sport and they wouldn't take her seriously or anything. And when I was like, when I was writing my Sailor Moon paper, I kind of looked up like, you know, what's the difference between being transgender and being like non-binary. And the conclusion mm-hmm. I came up with was like, you know, Haruka is more likely non-binary than transgender in terms of just like, you know, definitions and all that sort of stuff. And I think that kind of almost applies as well to Naoto because I mean, she becomes more feminine as the game comes on and when she's like revealed to be a female. Well, and especially in Dancing All Night. She, yeah. <laughs> she really, really becomes more feminized. But like for the most part, she's pretty non-binary. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, people can have their headcanons of whatever they like for Persona because that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think it's kind of important to remember like, what values and what kind of cultural situation this was written in and why things are presented the way that they are. Correct. Cause like, you know, like, homosexuality is still kind of illegal over in Japan. Like they don't right. look, they don't look well on transgender people either. Well, and again, I'm going to pull the historian card context matters. Mm-hmm. You can't just pull like a piece of media or, uh, even a document, um, and be like, this is what this means. Right. Definitively without paying attention to what's happening around it. Right. And that's kind of how Persona 4 is, which is interesting that I'm like, I'm going to put on my historian cap and treat this <laughs> like a document. And this is how you should read it. Just, again, keep in mind, like, context, not specifically to you, but um, just in general. Like, even uh, Chie in the Japanese version, from what I understand, is... She has some interesting context with her gender roles and, and that like she gets excited when people see her as like feminine. Right. Yeah. Because she's she's always been seen as like the tomboy and like because she you know she like she likes Kung Fu. She's very athletic and everyone you know associates her with all these masculine things. Mm-hmm. So like I mean that's kind of like how the game portrays her in the first dungeon as well. It's like you know she's Yukiko's prince. Right. So like she's she's been society is like given her this gender role and she's kind of just like but no (laughs) right she's like i i can be a girl and i can be feminine but i can also like these things that are usually coded as very masculine Mm -hmm. which i can appreciate yeah (laughs) so i i'm sad that some of that was kind of lost in the in the american version Mm -hmm. but you know, there's there's also some like gross stuff in there that I, I could do without like the and, you know, why why do we need a, a hot spring scene in every game? I'm sorry. Why do we need Why do we need two hot spring scenes in this game? Oh true, okay. I'll give you that. Why? Why why is it needed? <sighs> Although you know, I I did think it was pretty great that um I think Yosuke was the only one that was really uncomfortable with the whole, like, cross-dressing pageant. I think everybody else was just like, yeah, you know what? I look pretty. (laughs) It was like, whatever. (laughs) Right. Like, the main character, you know, he responded as you wanted him to. But mostly he was kind of nonchalant about Mm -hmm. it. 
Teddy was just like, yeah, I'm beautiful. <laughs> Kanji's just like, like, yeah, cool, whatevs. Yeah, Kanji at first was a little like, eh, but then like once he got Marilyn Monroe, he was like, all right, cool, I'm all right. I'm going to look ripped as shit, but <laughs> also pretty. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I, I just think that's a really interesting thing to put in a game is just how how constrained people can be by traditional gender roles. Yeah. Even somewhat Yukiko could fall into that. Yeah. Because she's expected to take over the inn and be like this traditional like maiden of the inn. And she rejects that for a while. But then she realizes like, oh, you know, I, I don't need to reject that. I can still be me and still fall into that. Mm-hmm. Which is simultaneously like a rejection of like classical roles, but also like acceptance of if you want to do those classical roles, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And like Uh, you expect her, like the way she's, she's presented her appearance, like all the way down to that, like she's going to be the prim and proper character. Then she gets the glasses. And then like you realize like she's the biggest dork of them all. (laughs) She is. She's such a dork. Like it took me a few playthroughs to get it, but like, Yukiko is probably my favorite character in that game just because she's I... so ridiculous and like she just doesn't give a f- half the time when she's like she'll talk sh- about people and just like eh, I don't care yeah no she doesn't and like sometimes she can be a little mean but um I agree with you like after Kanji Yukiko is my second favorite because she she doesn't fully understand a lot of what she says no <laughs> And she just kind of, like, blows off people sometimes. But she's also just, like, ridiculous. Like I said, when she gets those glasses, she just, like, <laughs>, laughs hysterically. And people are like, oh, what's what's happening? And it's, like, it's it's also, like, I love that scene as well. Because, like, because she mentions it. She's like, oh, man, that's just, she just, if she laughs, she just starts going like that. It's just, like, it's showing her. Because, you know, Chi and Yuko are, like, these good friends, but, like, you really don't see them interacting with many other people. Like, they're friends with Yosuke, but not to that extent. Right. But, like, that scene is, like, that huge icebreaker, I think, for Yukiko. It's, like, she's able to have, like, these other other people in her, in this social group, and she can be herself, and they'll accept her no matter what. Right. And, I mean, that's honestly what 4 is all about, is accepting people for who they are. Right. And accepting yourself for who you are, so... I mean, I, I think it's a fantastically written game. The characters are all so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I know that a lot of people, uh, which I was kind of surprised by this once I like got on the internet a little bit more in terms of Persona fandom. I didn't realize that like Rize was so divisive of people. Like I, I kind of thought that Rize would be pretty popular, but she's not. As as in what way? Um, as in people are very split on, like, whether they like her character or feel like her character is genuine. Oh, okay, yeah. And I can see some of that because, I mean, she's she's an idol. So she's going to have, like, um, these two personas, per se. Yeah, I mean, she's she's never going to be just Rize, ever. Even though, like, the whole game is about, like, accepting yourself and everything. She's not just Rize. She's just not. And she's and, and, and she's young. Like, she's this young pop star that, like, right. blew up. And, like, she... By the time she comes back to Inaba, she's basically lost her own identity. She doesn't yeah. know how to cope with that or, like, how to get it back. 
so like I said, I was I was a little shocked because I felt like with her being like a young, cute idol character that she'd be pretty popular, but I, I I realized that some people did not agree with that. Maybe it's just like if the game pushes you as the love interest, the people will reject you no matter what. Oh, you're right, because like Rize and Yukari were kind of like they're both a lovers the, arcana. Yeah. Huh. Which I wonder. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if people are going to get as divisive about Anne when P five comes out. I mean, that's an interesting point. I wonder if they will be. I guess we will see in the future because they didn't come out today. Sad faces. Sad face. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some more Persona Four stuff. You don't want to talk about your favorite character, Marie? Um. If we could never talk about her again, I would be completely and 100% fine with it. You're like the one person I know who just like outright hates her. I cannot stand her. She's not a well-written character. She's not interesting. She adds nothing to the story. Which? I hate her her design. Another example of a of the game kind of pushing a romantic interest on you. Oh, I guess it's true. And her whole like Oh, I'm dropping these love notes and like, no, no, you're not supposed to. She's like. The only time that gag is good is in Persona Q when Akihiko reads one. Yes, I agree with you. That is the only time that gag is good is because Akihiko has to read one. And it's wonderful. But no, like it consistently happens and it's super duper annoying. And um, I just. The only good thing that I can see that came out of her character is the whole, like, snow ski, um, skiing, snowboarding scene. Because that yeah. was fun. Like, I, I don't mind her character either way. Like, I, she, I, she wouldn't make my top five or maybe top ten, if that. She's just kind of there. I, They do kind of push her hard on MC, mm-hmm. which is real weird as well. And then her dungeon sucks. It does. It's real bad. And then, like, for some reason, when you get to the golden anime, they really push it. Yeah, which that's Um, that's a that's a that's another conversation for another time. But yeah, it is. But I will mention like the fact that in the whole like concert scene in Golden, which I'm still very disappointed we didn't get a full version of Laura Bailey singing that song. Man, but they have. Marie singing for whatever reason. And yeah, I'm like, I forgot about what, that. What is happening here? This is dumb. I just, oh, oh, I hate her. I hate that character. That is the one character that I, I can definitively say has no <laughs> redeeming qualities. None. But I think like some of the other stuff that Golden introduces as, uh, into the game as well is fun. Not excluding Marie, like the the various events you get to do, like the being able to go to the city, to the to the ocean, uh, the events around there, like the the scooter test, and that whole scenario, uh, going to the beach with everyone and Kanji losing his pants. Yeah. <laughs> oh. The the birth of Venus. The birth with of Kanji. Venus, man. Oh, what else oh, is it's... there? The concert scene, which we talked about. Um, the fact that you can run your scooters into enemies and launch them into space. God, yes, which is that's wonderful. fantastic. <laughs> uh, the ski trip, which they yep. they basically plug in a bunch of stuff into like the January to March or April, whenever the game ends, or May, whenever I forget. 
uh, and then the Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day scene as well, and also the New Year scene. I, I really yep. like that New Year scene. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of good stuff that was added in Golden, and um, also wasn't Golden where we ended up getting the song "Snowflakes." Yep, because it snows so, in January. Yeah, I, I appreciate that a lot because that's a, teddy a good snow, song. Snowman. You do, but um, I did like that there were a lot of added events um, where you get to spend a lot more time with the characters. You get to hear Dojima say great vegetables. Great vegetables. <laughs> oh, Dojima is such a good character. <laughs> he just wants to drink alcohol and be by himself. He does. Like, that poor man. Um, like, he's, he's he's not a very good dad. He tries. <laughs> he does try. Um I love how they, they uh, again, I'm kind of getting a little off topic. In the anime, they show uh, Yu's, like, super, like, showing off the ridiculous bathing suit that he got. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is a weird bathing suit. I'm going to own it. The one thing I'll say about the golden anime, the best, the best episode they do is when Naoto thinks everyone's going to kill her. That is the best episode, hands down. <laughs> so good. Oh, what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Was I oh, the epilogue. I like the epilogue. The epilogue's real good. It's real dumb. I like it. I like that Kanji um, dyes, uh, well, it doesn't dye his hair, but he, he puts his hair back to a natural color um, Which and the, starts wearing glasses. There's actually, there's a great scene before you get there where, like, I think, like, you're going out shopping with now Na- or Nanako and you see Yukiko and Kanji together Mm-hmm. And they they basically talk about that. He's like, she's like, why do you keep dyeing your hair? It's like you should be fine like that. And he's like, oh, maybe I'll just stop dyeing it. And like that's kind of like the setup and basis for him oh. having black hair at the epilogue, which is like, and also this is real cool to see those two hanging out. <laughs> it is really cool. Like I love the idea of Yukiko and Kanji being bros. Yeah, I love that because I feel like they could be like brutal together mm-hmm. like we were just talking about how yukiko sometimes is just like brutal without realizing it and i feel like kanji could kind of like <laughs> keep her in hang. line <laughs> yeah i like that blog though i um i was kind of disappointed when dancing all night came out that they didn't keep the the canon of the epilogue well i mean they kind of do it's just dancing all night takes place after that they but they also they, should... they do change they, they do change some bits of that epilogue they they have the epilogue and then they're like oh but we want you to look like you did in high school so like yeah, all yeah. of them get haircuts I, yeah. and Kanji goes back to blonde. I and completely like, agree with you on that. That's dumb. I like the throwaway line they do in the epilogue where like man some weird stuff happened in May didn't it? And it's like the one weird reference of the fighting game. That <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, you know it. it... <sighs> <laughs> I like the fighting game. But some weird stuff did happen. And I, I like the fact that you do have the... Um, I, I'm trying to think of the way that they phrase it. The new ending with Adachi. Oh, the uh, the accomplice ending. Accomplice ending, there you are. That one's um, real good. It, I mean, it's dark. Yeah. It's real messed up. But um, I thought it was an interesting addition to the game to show like what could have happened. Because, again, like, the whole game is a whole lot of, like, dichotomy between, like, what could have happened if, like, they didn't have, like, their friends and everything. They could have become, like, Adachi. And um, so I think having the accomplice ending was really, really fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's one of those so, things as well. Like, you, no one... I, I know some people 
who have played that game and didn't know about that accomplice ending. I'm like, Yo, really? Go, go check that out, like right now. What are you doing? Yeah. Oh, it's totally worth seeing at least once. So yeah, Persona Four. It's real good. <laughs> it is real good. It is real good. Also, good music. Fantastic music. But it, it, even like the stuff they had in Golden, Chef's Kiss, mwah, good. <laughs> Snowflakes is so good. Snowflakes is real good. Also, the uh, I think the redone battle theme for Mitsuo's boss fight, Ooh. I think, is also real good. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's like, real good. Like I said, I'm still disappointed we never got a full version of the the concert scene with Laura Bailey. So good. It's so good. Laura Bailey knocked that out of the park. So that's the end of all the mainline Persona games until five, which still has to come out here. So we won't talk about that now. But so. they basically were like, you know, what if we milked Persona 4 a little bit more? <laughs> <laughs> and they did. And they did. So four years later, after the release of Vanilla Persona 4, Persona 4 Arena, a fighting game, was released on March 1st, 2012 in the arcades in Japan, which everyone was like, huh? <laughs> and then on July 26th, 2012 in Japan and August 7th, 2012 on PS3 and 360. Uh, first PS3 game to be region locked. Yep. Because of the releases being so close together, and I think the Japanese version had dual audio, or I think it was because of the American. One of the versions had dual text and audio, and it might have been because of the American version, uh, because it would have been cheaper for Japanese players to import it. Yep, it was the American version. Yeah. Uh, also featured a weird Easter egg to the Shin Megami Tensei Urban Legend of Turn It Off in the pre-release versions of the Japanese game. So if you don't know about the Turn It Off thing, it was like this weird urban legend where like on the thousandth time you turned on the Shin Megami Tensei cartridge, it would just display a black background with red text and like Japanese characters. It just says, turn it off. And it's just repeated across your screen. It was kind of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> it's it. I, I, I like how they just kind of put that in there. Like in the pre-release version, it's like a little homage to that, which I guess has kind of never been proven to be true. Or something. I don't know, but like yeah. that's that's real goofy. Uh Persona 4 Arena, it's a real good fighting game. It is. The the way they do the story, probably not the best way they could have done it, because you do repeat a lot of stuff. Especially you it's, do. Because it's like you get each individual character's viewpoint of it, and for the most part you're seeing the same thing over and over again, barring like uh, if you play as you, you play as Mitsuru, you play as Labrys, you play as Elizabeth. Like those are pretty much like the four unique viewpoints, I would say. Yeah. So, but either way, like I, I like that story. I think it does a good job. It like it leads off on a good cliffhanger. Uh, it's it introduces a fun new character in Labrys in her Brooklyn accent. That, yeah, the accent was really really bizarre, but um. No, I really liked it, and um, this is the same team who did Blaz Blue, which yeah, I love that game. So I was I was stoked about this this fighting game being the same style, and it it plays really nicely. Mm-hmm. It, it's a it's a smooth game, yeah, and the sprite work is great. Very very much so. Like it was just cool to like see like a continuation of Persona 4 because like I love all those characters and I was like oh that's cool and then they're going to interact with some of these Persona 3 characters as well we're going to see like older versions of them that's real neat I was bummed out that Akihiko was like a shirtless bear fighter 
<laughs> he just forgot a shirt. He's got all these cars now. He's like, I don't know. I just got off the plane and they told me to come here. I was fighting. Yeah. Yeah, he... The cape... I understand that they they were saying that they needed like a, a grappler type character and Akihiko fit the the role, so they kind of designed him to be that. Which is weird. And luckily... Because he's a boxer. Is, yeah. <laughs> they did kind of correct some of the damage and, and um in Ultimax thank you I, I was forgetting the name for a minute they corrected some of it with his, his like epilogue story but I was like what happened to you um, although worth mentioning the art book is great because it has an entire section just devoted to his butt design so um <laughs> There you go, guys. You now know that I have looked at Akihiko Sonata's butt in the art book. Literally no um, one is surprised. No one would be surprised if they actually knew me. So if you guys know me, you're not surprised. I know that. Uh, or if you listen to this. That's true, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, it. The music in this one is also really, really good. It's very different because it's a fighting game. Yeah. But each character has uh, a different, unique theme. Some of them are recycled songs. Yeah. Um, but like they're, like, they're uh, slightly remixed. Right. Like I guess has a remix of Heartful Cry from um, The Answer. I think you has Pursuing My True Self or Reach Out to the Truth, mm-hmm. one of those two. It's a, it's a good soundtrack. Like I own it. I like I like that one. I like the one that came with the game that has like the remix versions of some of the tracks on there. Yeah. It's a, it's, um, a, it's a very good fighting game. I mean, it's an anime fighting game, so take take with that what you will. But like, it's it's a good one. <laughs> Not of those. everybody's gonna like it. Yeah. And you got some bonus story in Ultimax. Some of that went kind of off the rails. Let's let's talk about let's talk about it. Persona three, Persona three, Persona four Arena Ultimax, aka Persona four the Ultimax Ultra Suplex Hold, which is still. The far superior title for that video game (laughs) originally came out on November 28th, 2013 in Japan and arcades, which, man, people were freaking out when that happened. They're like, holy crap, it's Yukari and Junpei. Yep. And this was this was before, like, they did that announcement for, like, for the home version of this, for Q, for Dancing All Night, and then the five reveal. Mm -hmm. So people were like, what is going on? (laughs) Well, and Ken's in there, too. But I don't think they showed off Ken at first, though. Oh, okay. I think it was just, just Yukari and Junpei. Just don't forget that Ken was there. Yeah. Uh, it eventually came out on August 28, 2014 in Japan on PS3 only, and then September 30, 2014 in the U.S. on PS3 and 360. Uh, the only notable thing about the development of this is that the 360 version had some features stripped, which was like the online arcade waiting lobby, which was a real cool thing. But considering that was a port job of a PS3 game and that the 360 version was the only one was only released in like the uh, in Americas and European regions kind of not surprised yeah so same style of fighting game they basically just added improvements to it and then they added Rize? yeah they added Yukari Junpei Rise, Ken and Koromaru show both versions of him uh who else Elizabeth, Mar- or not Elizabeth, uh, Margaret, Marie, and Adachi as DLC. I think that's it? I think so. That sounds right. It was basically everyone except Fuka <laughs> got to be playable in this game. Which, I was disappointed that Fuka wasn't there. 
but she she's there in cutscenes, mm-hmm. and she's so cute. Well, she was in the first game as well. I know. I just she's so cute. <laughs> so I, I will maintain this is a very good fighting game. I think the story sucks, and I think it does a bad job of following up of Arena, especially like. There are multiple ways they could have gone with that, with the way this game went, and I think they just poorly executed on it. I I agree with you. For one one thing that really really irritated me is um in three you had the whole reveal of like oh he's been working against why am I blanking on his name? Kutsky. Thank you, that guy. He he's been working against you this whole time. He's a villain, etc. And then in Ultimax, they're like, oh, by the way, he also had this other experiment going on, and he's this big bad in this game. You're like, what? How did all this happen with nobody? Like, why are we bringing him back into this? Yeah. Can we? <laughs> and, like, it's even when you play the P3 side, it's like, he randomly, like, is like a, a ghost that appears, and everyone's like, oh, God, it's a Kuski. We're going to kick his ass. And it's like, no, you're not. It's not even real. It's just the the really bad main villain doing dumb stuff. Right. I mean, it was it was. It could have been handled better. Mm. Um, I think the way they split the story up into like here's the P four side, here's the P three side. Like I think that was a smart idea and way better than what they did in Arena. But the writing just didn't hold up, and the writing was just bad. And I also didn't like show. Yeah. I I I, um, I don't think like this game did it was a good enough way to introduce him and it didn't do him justice. No, like Labyrinth, I was fine with Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. I thought she had a really good story. I liked her. The accent was weird, but her like her character design was great. Her story was interesting. They handled it well. I could accept Labyrinth. Show was not as well done. Especially cuz you have two different versions of him. Yeah, um so that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> I I, uh, I kind of wonder though, not to cut you off, but like, no. I wonder if this was just a case of like they improve the gameplay and then add all these new characters in, but adding all of these new characters in just convolute the story so much for like you have to write for a bunch more characters now, and it's just you can't really write yourself out of that. No, I mean legit, the best thing that came out of Ultimax, in my personal opinion is the fact that Junpei is, like, a children's baseball coach. Yep. And Yukari's um, a Sentai hero. <laughs> she is! Like, that to me was, like, the greatest thing, is that she she was, like, modeling and then became, like, a, a Power Ranger, essentially. Yep. <laughs> and that Junpei is still doing his baseball thing. Like, you know, I it's, it's kind of sad that Junpei is kind of, like, left in the dust in a way because he he i don't even think he gets paid as a children's coach but he loves it yeah it's like it's it's his passion so like it's one of those things where like i don't think he probably would have went to college no no i can't see june pay but like the way i think the way he, he handles like that job and how he interacts with those kids like what better guy would you want I love it. <laughs> no i love it i love it i think he june pay to me as weird as it sounds, because like I've played through Persona Three, <laughs> I think Junpei would be great with kids. Um, they show some of that in in Ultimax, but I think that like if Junpei were to become like 
elementary school, middle school, like teacher and coach, Mm -hmm. I think he'd be great at that because he's kind of like got the goofy, fun personality that he could pull it off. Yeah. Um, The problem is, would he be good enough to teach anything? That's true. And then Ken is like in middle school at this point. Yeah. Actually, you know what? You know, it's one of the best things to come out of Ultimax besides the fact that Junpei is a coach. Is a Koro wearing a hoodie? Uh, that's also great. <laughs> but I was going to say um, the fact that by the end of it, I guess and Akihiko are roommates. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's so uh, good. Because that's wonderful. So good. <laughs> I, in my in my brain, so many shenanigans happen in that apartment. God. Because um, what what's the whole thing? Is like Mitsuru is trying to get Aegis to make sure that Akihiko stays on track. He's making sure he keeps college. going to his college classes. Yeah. And he wants to go <laughs> off and hang out with uh, Kurosawa, the detective that helped him in three. Mm-hmm. He's trying to be a cop. Yeah. Which I could see that being a very fitting career for Akihiko. Yeah, that makes sense. But the fact that she's like, you know what? I guess is going to be your roommate babysitter. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I honestly couldn't have asked for anything more from this game. It just it just sucks that the story goes the way it does. Like the the main villain is awful. Like yeah, just yeah. real hastily thrown in there. It seems real weird that like Labrys is the main star, main star of the P three side. Uh, yeah, the way that you and Adachi team up at the end of P four side is real weird. And another thing that I felt was kind of like pandering and bothered me a little is the fact that they kept hinting that Elizabeth was on a quest to try and help main character. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's that was super pandering and super annoying. But they basically come out and say that in arena, like she's yeah. like, "Yeah, I'm on a way to find a way to get him back." But then, yeah. like in in Ultimax, it's her Theodore. Which why is he there? And uh, Margaret just like roaming around everywhere, be like, "Hey, what's up, guys? All right, later." <laughs> right. It feels like it was a dropped like thread, and I'm like, why? Why even bring it up? Why even give anybody some kind of hope? I feel like that's if. Ultimax in general. Because, <laughs> man, like... Th- I, this could have been a way to tie 3 and 4 back into 1 and 2. Yeah, it could Like, have. okay, here's Nyarlathotep Nia- back. Say that five times fast. And he's, uh, and he's nope. like, alright, I'm back, MFers. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> I'm gonna fight this new generation. And there you go, like tying everything back into one but it's like no we go with this real lame fire dude and you have this really bad awkward boss battle that you have to play which doesn't pl- doesn't go well with the way that fighting mechanics are and it's just no it's just disappointing he's he's too big honestly mm-hmm. for the screen that like with that kind of sprite gameplay it doesn't work yeah. but uh, I liked it I liked arena better mm-hmm. But I also very much enjoyed some of the, like, weirder aspects, like the fact that Junpei is a coach. Totally. Like, I like seeing those characters come back, and I like being able to interact with them again. It's just everything around it was just bad. And then especially, yeah, like, kind of a mess. the end of P3 side is, like, they hint at Show having the wild card. 
Yeah, they do. And that was annoying. And nothing comes out of it. Nope. It's, it's a lot of drop threads that I'm like, okay, what was the point of this? And the point was money. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. Speaking of good games, though. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't go with speaking of making money. Speaking of making money, let's talk about a handheld Persona game. I like this one. Uh, so Persona Q was the quote-unquote chibi-fied version of Persona that came out on the 3DS on June 5th, 2014 so in Japan shit. and November 25th, 2014 on the U.S., uh, it mixed mix mashes three and four together in a way where, Again. well, yeah, but this time it's, dur- <laughs> it's basically during those games instead of like having it be after and also quote unquote non-canon. So yeah, so yeah, first personal game on Nintendo hardware. Yeah, so far, there was an interview with uh, Shigenori Sojima, the art director, from the June 2014 Persona magazine about Persona Q. I pulled a quote from that. Uh, this is about his designing the characters in a new style, which is the, the chibi style. Uh, he says, From an outsider's perspective, Persona Q might mostly look like fan service driven fare that celebrates the legacies of Persona 3 and 4 because of how their respective characters are brought together. As a designer, though, I can't approach my work from that angle. If the game doesn't come out as being legitimately enjoyable by its own merits, especially to people who haven't played those previous games, I feel that I haven't really done my job. So I tried to keep that in mind while I was in the midst of designing the cast. Knowing that, I wanted to ensure that everyone who played the game, regardless of the past experience with the Persona series, could look at the character artwork and feel that they have a good handle on what sort of character that everyone in the cast is. After I came to the realization that was what I wanted to achieve, the direction that I felt Persona Q's design should take just fell into place. Which I think is right, like, you can't just, like, kind of rest on your laurels, especially as, like, a designer. And yeah. I think the way they uh, they handled the art direction for the cast and every everyone, basically, in this game worked out real well. I agree with you. Um, everybody translated very, very well. And even the new characters mm-hmm. were, design-wise, really cool to look at. Yeah. And I think, like, um, in terms of new characters being implemented to a Persona game, probably the best, as- probably the best like, version of that, I would say. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I mean, so much that you played, like, the entirety of Tokyo Mirage Sessions and, and an outfit from Q. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> but um at first it does come across as kind of like fan servicey. Yeah. But once you actually get into the game you're like, "Oh, this is actually like a really in-depth game." And I think this will be interesting for us to both speak about because um again, my favorite being 3, your favorite being 4. Mm-hmm. We started I played three route first, you played four route first. Yep. And those routes are pretty not pretty different, but they're they're different. Yeah. And they kinda go along with the tone of the respective game. Mm-hmm. There is a lot more like goofiness to this, which is fine because I wasn't expecting from this super, super freaking cute game <laughs> to cry. And I did. It gets it gets rough near the end, like, jeez. It gets so emotional. But there, and are, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> but there are like these like weird like kind of like goofy aspects of that game, just like where you get to hang out and watch the characters interact with each other, and they're just shooting the shit. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think like maybe I, I sorry. I, I think maybe no. one of the 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 drawbacks of this game is that. Since it is kind of midway through both those games, like some of the character development isn't necessarily there. 
Which, I mean, you'd expect, yeah. but I think they kind of stereotype some of the characters as well. Like, Akiko is just <laughs> Mr. Protein every five seconds, which kind of sucks. Uh, yeah. Teddy is real weird and annoying in a way. Ikari's kind of a bitch. Yeah. Like, it makes sense that those characters aren't necessarily fully developed because they're not. But right. it's also kind of a bummer as well. But I mean, well, and even then, like, Akihiko was not, like, protein, 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 right. protein, like, constantly at that point in 3 either, so I'm not sure where they got that. Yeah, it's, it's the weird stereotypes, I think, that really does a disservice. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and and I think they did some of that, like you said, Teddy is, is kind of the worst offender. Mm-hmm. Um, Yosuke is actually a pretty bad offender in the game, too. Yeah. But it, it it's weird that they kind of relied more on, like, the stereotypes of the character and, like, the very, very beginning personalities than... But, again, it's because it's in the middle of the games, so... What can you do? What can you do? But I think the way they handle that game in terms of, like, you know, it's this, like, little set in its own, in its own world story combining the velvet rooms and all that like i think it works out pretty well uh yeah and it has akihiko reading one of marie's terrible poems (laughs) it's also very true and it has the um the great level of the uh the dating cafe oh god that yeah the group date cafe thing and then where you get you find out your chosen one at the very end and you get married you do (laughs) it's real dumb yep (laughs) Yeah, dumb. I I mean I guess like as well like it's not typical Persona dungeon crawling. No, like, it's, it's not. It's modeled after Etrian Odyssey, which if you like that style of game, you'll like this game. If you don't, well, you're SOL. Yeah. <laughs> and you know that final boss is real hard. Yes, that entire final dungeon was impossibly mm-hmm. hard for no good reason. Like there was such a steep difficulty hike. They add, like, a time limit onto the final boss as well, which is totally unnecessary. Extremely unnecessary. And, um, man, that that reveal is just heartbreaking. Like, well, I, I legit have, like, a little bit of a tear in my eye. And I'm not <laughs> sure it's because I'm, like, thinking about this game or because I keep choking up. Maybe both. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I've, I've been reading the, the manga... And they just got to like that that the final parts of the of the manga. It's, it's been a rough read. <laughs> Man, but but you're right. There is a lot of, in my opinion, it was really enjoyable to see the characters interact mm-hmm. in their. Um, I don't want to say original forms because like Arena was their like their final forms. Fi- their final forms. <laughs> um, this isn't even my final form. <laughs> But that's kind of the best way to word it for me is is that they get to talk to each other as high schoolers and the same level. There's even a really funny scene with Junpei where he's like hoping that the girls will call him senpai and they won't do it. <laughs> and uh, poor Junpei. Poor Junpei. Nobody loves him. The best subplot of that game, Kanji and Ken. Yes. We're con- oh my we're like, god. Ken like talks to him about like all the stuff he's feeling about Shinji and Kanji's like, look, dude, it's gonna be rough. You may need to. I'll try and help you out as I can, but I'll be here to talk. Or I'll, I'll listen to you. Okay, so that part actually may be more heartbreaking than the actual like yeah. story of yeah. you. 
Because he legitimately talks Ken out of his revenge plot. Yeah. And then they forget. Mm-hmm. It's so heartbreaking. Oh. Oh. So I don't I don't personally love the Etrian Odyssey style gameplay. Like Yeah, I would agree with you. I got through it because I can. And I wanted to, but I I would prefer like a traditional RPG style. Right. I did like that they had the whole like map drawing. Yeah. That was pretty cool with the with the three DS. That that was a neat little feature because I was able to like put little markers wherever I needed something mm-hmm. important or whatever. But it, it it did get a little like after a while, like I was kinda done crawling like by the very last level of each thing. I'm like, Oh my god, do I really have to keep going? <laughs> and like uh. I think like puzzle wise they were kind of more hard than let's say like three or four is yeah so some things could have been better but um i felt like it was really worth seeing the characters interact and it was really worth the story with the original characters mm-hmm. it's, um because i like them yeah it's a totally fine spinoff out of like all the yeah. out of the four spinoffs yeah I, not I, the best but it, it's totally good respectable yeah yes also Perhaps one of the best things is when they is when you play P three side and the Persona Four crew comes out and they're all doing JoJo poses. JoJo poses, which now I understand. Yep. <laughs> so, <sighs> like, why are they doing that? It's so random, but like, uh, good on you, Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But also on both sides. It was really funny that, like, they're doing poses and it plays, like, their respective battle themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was pretty funny. And, like, the, the like, other teams is, like... introduction. The other teams is, like, uh, who the f*** are these guys? Like, they're, like, who are these guys? Are they, are they enemies? Should we fight them? <laughs> and they're sitting there doing their goofy <laughs> poses. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that sums up Persona really well, I actually. mean, the Persona 4 crew is a bunch of dorks, so, like... That's a they, real good way to introduce them. They are a bunch of dorks. Oh my god, they're such dorks. Oh man. Should we talk about the best spinoff? Yes, we should. That's some people some reason hate. I don't know why, because they're they're dumb. Because uh, they have bad taste. Uh, yeah. So the, the only reason I think of <laughs> the black sheep of like the the four announced games, the four spinoffs. Of Ultimax Q five or N five and this that people did not see coming at all, <laughs> and that I championed since that since that day, Persona Four Dancing All Night, which released on June twenty fifth, twenty fifteen in Japan and September 29th, ninth, twenty fifteen in the U S. on the PlayStation Vita. Yeah, fantastic game. Originally it was being developed by Dingo, the creators of the Hatsune Miku Project Diva games. But then something happened during development where, like, they were like, oh, we got to go. Bye. (laughs) And development basically switched to the Persona team. And I think Dingo kind of helped out here and there. But, like, Persona team basically had to finish this game by themselves in order for this game to be released for some reason. Because it got delayed. And that was, like, the the thing given. And then also it features Hatsune Miku as DLC and is the first crossover with another Sega property since the acquisition of Atlas by Sega. And it's good. Yeah. I mean, that Hatsune Miku version of Heaven is real good. Okay. You know what? I wasn't talking about that. I was talking <laughs> about the game. It's the best spinoff game. 
It is. I will 100% agree with you. And that says something because I really liked Arena. And it's a very dark story. It is. Like, people were expecting it to be, like, super lighthearted and goofy because it's a dancing game. But holy crap. (laughs) It's like, it just shatters that expectation two minutes into the game when, like... Like, at the very, very beginning, you're like, whoa! That idol just hung herself. (laughs) And a small child watched. And you're just like, oh... Oh, oh, this is a, this is a, hmm, this isn't what I was expecting. Right, right. And like, oh, God, yikes. Like, I think this well, game, then sorry. You you go through the game and you're like finding pieces of like her lyrics that people are considering like to do with her suicide. You're like, oh, right. buddy. Whoa. It's such like a good commentary on like the dark side of like the idol culture as a whole. It is. It's so good about that, and I appreciate that since, as you are well aware, I am uh, I am the defense squad of, of a lot of idols. The mom of the idols. I am. <laughs> I am. I just want them to be happy and well-fed and sleep. Because, like, you meet you meet Kaname, who I, I know they, they call her, like, Konami or something in, like, the... Konami. In the English version, and they're completely wrong, but... You meet her, and then you meet her group of girls she has with her that are all named after, like, meat products or something. Kitchen. Yeah, which is, there's some weird stuff in there about mm. the way they they market As idols to people, but, like... As literal meat? Yeah. Like, that That was good commentary. It's real weird. It's just, like, the way, like, all of those girls handle, like, the industry as a whole and like how like it's kind of affected them and you see that through like the the dungeons you go through and especially for Kaname who's like <laughs> who still has, hasn't really gotten over seeing her favorite idol commit suicide in front of her and she's had to like carry that burden throughout her like entire life and that, that basically manifests at the very end when you dance your dance away the god <laughs> at the very end <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing about this. <laughs> it's that's that's the way the game ends, though. It's real dumb. No, I, it is, and you have that great like final God, it's dance so good. with everybody. The build up, it's so good. This game, I think, just does a lot of things really well. Like, obviously, this is the the farthest point for like the development of all these characters, and it's like you can tell like just the way they're writing them. Like, they're all so like comfortable with each other, and like they know ins and outs of each other because they've been you know they've been friends for like a year and a half by now. At this right. point, and it's just like I just love all the interactions that they have, and it's just oh, so well well written. Excuse me. They're so funny together, and um, like their interactions are, like you said, really well written. But you can you can tell at this point that they're friends, which mm-hmm. I appreciate, and they're very supportive of each other, mm-hmm. which is good. It's a good thing. Because like Reese is like, I'm gonna be making my comeback, guys. Like. You guys want to help me out? And they're all just like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. We don't have any dance experience or anything, but dude, you're a bud. We're going to help you out. Well, and they're worried about her because they yeah. know that she's concerned about her comeback with everybody. With the idol scene moving so quickly, mm-hmm. she's like, I'm going to be forgotten. Right. Um, and then somehow Nanako gets swept up in it <laughs> as she becomes pals with Kaname. She does. And she's, she's, it, a good dancer, apparently, and Dojima's like, okay. Dojima becomes happening. like the dad of like both of them. He's like, all right, <laughs> I'll take care of you too. And he also beats the shit out of like that that weird idol obsessor who tries to stab yeah. Konami. Yeah, he does. Which is real good. 
You go, Dad Dojima. <laughs> I, I I think also as well, like, there's a good point, I think, in there as well, where, like, you get to see, like, the the quasi-understanding that Dojima has of you and all his friends and, like, the power that they possess. He's just like, yeah. look, I don't understand, but I know you can help, so just go do what just you need to do. do. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. And um, I, I know that you do not support this, but um, there there's a few really, really good quotes um, that are thrown out there when people dance together. And after you beat the game, one of the, the kitchen girls will throw out a quote if you have Yosuke and Chie dancing together. Ooh. <laughs> and it... It's about like shipping them, and I'm like, yes, and it's yes. <laughs> it's like a real rare line as well, right? Because like you, you told me yeah. about it, and then like we never was able to reproduce it. No, and I, I looked online, and like other people had gotten it, and we're trying to get it again, and they're like, who says this? And then it turns out that it is one of the kitchen girls that yeah. says it. Um, so you have to beat it and have free dance unlocked and everything mm-hmm. for it to happen. But I was like, what? So my my level AP four ship did sail on that part, but it they have some really really funny interactions when you have people dance yep. together um, because they all have like commentary while they're dancing because that's the thing that you actually do apparently and um, it's it's really really good. Um, there are some some costume issues that I have with dancing all night. Do tell. Like, I have issues with, like, that weird Arabian oh, uh, outfit that they put Rize in. Her, her quote-unquote battle panties that she never got in the actual game, but they throw into this one. Yeah, um, and, like, I know you say her name different. Uh, Konami, um, like, there's so much jiggle. And I'm like, girl... Which they even talk about, they're like, oh, she totally pads up there. <laughs> no, they actually, like, imply that she has a boob job. I thought they, I thought they, they imply that she just, like, she they stuff her just Mm-mm. to give her that look. Mm-mm. They imply she got a boob job. Oh, she's, like, 15, dog. I know, what I know. It's terrible. But um, it's like, yo, girl, they make really supportive bras. And that weird, like, beach outfit she has. I, that one's horrible. Yeah. That one's terrible. Um, so that's what I mean, and that I have some issues mm-hmm. with like the costumes. Like, do we really need to sexualize like sixteen-year-old girls? Do we? According to Japan. I know, I know, I know. I, I, as somebody who plays a lot of Japanese games, like I should be used to this by now, but I hate it so yeah. much. And um, there are certain outfits that if they pop up, it's like nope. Um, no, I'll just back out of the game and like go back and try right. again and try right. you know because i keep it on random outfit because i like having weird things pop up it's the but... only way to play that right random outfit random accessories and <laughs> uh, yeah uh, and random dance partner yes also i know that i keep bringing this up but i'm gonna bring it up one more time <laughs> soundtrack god it's so good it's so good. I own it on vinyl. Yeah, you do. <laughs> it is phenomenal. Like, 
the Lotus Juice remix of Backside of the TV is like one of my favorite game soundtrack songs so ever. Like just the amount of people ever. they got to like remix different tracks on that thing. It's just it's fantastic. And like all those remixes are just really well done. Really well done, yeah. Like they're legitimately enjoyable to listen to. So like despite the fact that like I could play the game and listen to them. I also want to listen to them outside of playing it because they are so good. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it would be a disservice to this game to not mention the fact that the music is... Especially since it's a rhythm game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually a really fun rhythm Mm -hmm. game. I'm not very good at it. I I can get to like the... um, not, Not the hardest level difficulty, but so hard. the one below that. I, I'm I'm not that good. <laughs> but it, it plays really well. Yeah. There's some issues in terms of like um they didn't think through the fact that Persona 4's main color scheme is yellow <laughs> and that the buttons are yellow. Yeah. <laughs> and so some sometimes when you have like a screen on the back and it's doing yellow things, you're like, oh frick, I can't see anything. It, it does get kind of like about. complicated. I, I, I would say, like, as a connoisseur of rhythm games, like, it's, especially for a team that, you know, obviously has no experience in making rhythm games, like, they did a really good job of, like... I cannot believe you just said a connoisseur of rhythm games. I mean, games. it's true. Have you seen... Continue. Have you seen my Rock Band collection? I, uh, I've seen that you uh, used to have a high score on, what was it, Call Me Maybe? Yeah, I did. I have, yeah. like, over a thousand songs in that game. I've played yeah. way too many hours of Love Life School Idol Festival. And a bunch there of other rhythm go. games. Uh, this man knows his yeah. rhythm games. I really like what they did with the game in terms of just like the gameplay and everything. And it's it's real fun to play. Even like on the harder difficulties, which I know like you talk about how you necessarily can't get up there. Try not to be mm-hmm. rude about that, but <laughs> uh, but like I just, I I suck at it. It's real fun, even though like sometimes it's hard to play when you're playing on the Vita TV and there's a little bit of input lag. So that's kind of sucks, but it's it's real, real fun. Like, I put 40, 50 hours into the Japanese version before. Yeah, and I've got, like, nearly 40 in my U.S. version. And that's just because I have all the DLC on that on that version, which DLC for that game is real good. Like, the the song packs they did, where they did the uh, the anime openings. They, anime. Uh, mm-hmm. What else did they do? <laughs> Uh, they did Adachi. Oh, right, yeah. They released uh, Margaret, Marie, and Adachi. They all got their own separate themes and got mm-hmm. some costumes here and there. I thought they released other... What was the other songs they released? Uh, they, they had the, Well, they did. They did the free DLC pack, which had like the live version of Reach Out to the Truth and then some other stuff. They did the Rize's song. True Story, yeah. Yeah. Um, they did the opening for anime. They did the Nanako... Um, the like detective song. Yeah, the Nanako ending. Yeah. Uh, the Miku song. Yeah. Is that it? I feel like I, think so. I feel like I'm missing something there. Well, you're missing the fact that they had like all the costumes. So like yeah. Kanji and his like. God, the costumes pa- are real good. Pantslessness. <laughs> um. Seaweed Kanji. <laughs> seaweed Kanji. It's Best real kanji. good. That that um, I post a picture of that on Tumblr and it got a lot of notes. Let's just say. Heck yeah. I I um, sorry I. I thought like the, they did they did one like classic costume pack which was basically just like reskins of the mm-hmm. their existing costumes but then they did like a second one where they actually put detail into all of them and it's real good. So like I think you has uh 
the P2 uh, uniform and it's like all decked out to where it actually looks like it. Mm-hmm. And it's so good. Uh, and then there's like other ones as well. I think um, they turn Nanako into one of the characters from 2 as well and then like it matches that. Uh, they turned Yukiko into Rey, I think. Yep. It's just like that second that second uh, classic costume pack is so well done. Like I was so surprised, especially because the first one was like, eh, it's all right. It's just reskins, but it's okay. Also, uh, Screaming Dojima Mask. <laughs> that was so good. So good. All, uh, that and uh, the Tanaka Mask. Oh, no, I never have that on. <laughs> so good. Uh, just, that game is, man. That game is a gem. I had so much fun playing that. Mm-hmm. Like legit, I put so much time into it, and I I will be entirely honest with you. When I'm feeling really really stressed out, and you you probably know this, when I'm feeling very stressed out, very overwhelmed, mm-hmm. I'll actually go back and play Dancing All Night because it is like kind of calming to me. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why, because, like, you'd think that a rhythm game would be sort of stressful, but, like, the music, the characters, everything feels very familiar, and it's fun. I, yeah, I can totally see that. So, um, it's kind of like my zen game. It's also the reason why we were both very much championing a Persona 3 dancing all night. You know what? I 100% would love to have a Persona 3 dancing all night. Um, as mentioned, like two hours ago on this podcast um <laughs> might be a little longer i i think that Jin would be amazing in that and honestly who doesn't want shinji to dance in an apron <laughs> and i just want akihiko again <laughs> i mean uh the director of dancing all night uh i think his, his last name is wada has been he's been teasing he's working on something so um, God, I, I hope it's three dancing all night because they basically he came out and said like after after uh, four Dan came out like it's like if this game sells well enough we'll try to make three dancing all night yeah uh, my big concern though is I really want them to have the female main character yeah and that's that's gonna be very questionable mm-hmm because she's not canon but I mean Theodore's not canon and he's been like five games <laughs> that's true. You know what, guys? They pick and choose. Get it together. She's great, and you should love her more. Very true. Very, very, very true. (sighs) So, has this made up for um, our jilting of Valentine's Day by Persona 5? I think it has. I think so. I've had a lot of fun on this. Persona is legit one of my favorite series, and uh, I, I have a lot of very, very good memories with it. So um, it, it's been kind of cool to sit here and like reminisce on things that have been good and not so good, and have made me cry and made me laugh, and all these great characters. It's- and I admitted on live podcast <laughs> that I looked at Akihiko's butt <laughs> in the art book. It's just I think it's just been such an impactful series on the the two of us, especially just because like you know look at how much like we we respect those games and put them like on such a high threshold to where like Mm -hmm. you know they're like some of the best games we've ever played right and just like well to be honest it's part of the reason why we're even friends true yeah (laughs) i mean we met because of persona so it's very true uh, you know there's there's that aspect but i mean 
for an example, like whenever I'm feeling down, you you'll send me like a video of Persona Four, <laughs> and like I send you gifts from Persona games constantly. So yep. like, it, it's a big part of like who the two of us are, mm-hmm. and so I feel like it's it's a really cool thing for us to sit here and like talk about why these games are so good. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then like you sorry that's no, no 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 <laughs> i mean we'll we will we'll do this again when persona 5 comes out when we've both played it i know i know which i mean obviously uh, it's not gonna be like talking about the other games but like we're gonna do a deep dive into that game and talk about like what we like about it what we don't like about it fun stuff like um, that <laughs> i'm still mad that i'm not getting any kind of like she's not as much like me as sarah from lost odyssey but Futaba is enough like me that I'm like, hmm, guys, y'all need to stop following me. <laughs> like my own brother said that I should get some kind of rights to that because because uh, of how much she's... Get the rights to your own me. look. Right. <laughs> oh, man, I've, I've heard some weird things about her ending, the ending of her social link in five, which I'm not going to talk about, but... You better not or I'll fight you. It's... It feels questionable. I wonder how the localization is going to handle it. Let's just say that. Um, That's a... Uh, another is, story. Yeah. This has been real fun. I've been very much looking forward to this episode. Just doing something like this for a very long time. Like, Inside Baseball, we... I don't know if you remember this or not. We talked about doing like a podcast earlier last year. And it mm-hmm. never got off the ground, but one of the things we were going to do is do a persona episode. Yep. And like, finally we get to be able to do this. I, I should say probably epi- maybe episodes. I don't know. We might split this up because it's almost been three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it'd be a three hour. You podcast. Were, you were not wrong. I will give you that. So like, I don't, I don't know if I'll split this up or not, but maybe this will be episodes 10 and 11. This will be episode 11. Maybe who knows? And I'll just add some weird stuff at the end of the split episodes. Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'll figure that out in due time. But, like, yeah, I've been very much just looking forward to being able to talk about these games. Just look at the development side. Because, like, I mean, also, like, this kind of serves for, like, the Persona 1 piece I wanted to write for a while now. I just never was able to kind of wrap my head around or just formulate it. Because, like, just the development history of that thing is just so strange and fascinating that mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to talk about that. And just being able to talk about the other games is just a complete bonus that I'm just overjoyed to be able to share with you with everyone with the world yay (laughs) we're part of something world we are uh so that's gonna do it for this episode of the seasonal anime check of ova or episodes i don't i don't know uh i don't know either (laughs) (laughs) i told you it'd be three hours you were not wrong (laughs) hopefully they like listening to our voices (laughs) hopefully what's like 12, 13, 14 games and three hours worth of content. <laughs> I mean, it's because we care about the people who care to listen to us. It's true. It's very we, true. We, we want to go in depth and give you our our opinions that I guess don't really matter, but <laughs> they matter to us. They matter to us. Uh, for more information, you should check out SeasonalAnimeCheckup.com or SAC.cool. That's where you can find past episodes of this very podcast and other stuff on there as well, and other podcasts as well. 
follow go find andladium at andladium.com go read her final fantasy 10 two piece it's fantastic fascinating way <laughs> i'll say whatever i said in the last one it's still way better than what i wrote about it <laughs> it's real good thank you and yeah if you have questions comments concerns you want to correct us on something we talked about because i'm sure we probably got something wrong in three hours worth probably. of discussion uh email me jared at seasonlamacheckup.com and that's gonna do it for this episode i want to check here real quick no i don't know what you're knowing about but <laughs> <laughs> i don't either let's see what do we got coming up here so the next um, next episode, uh, I guess it depends oh. on all, if all this stuff gets pushed back a week or not. It does. So we're either talking about two games or a console. Yep. It just depends. I yeah, that all depends. Well, yeah, no. Mm, mm, mm. I guess if we do go back a week, it would give us more time to talk about the three eleven podcast. It would, it would. It would um, only just mess up, like, the the following the podcast, but, you know, whatevs. If they're, like, a week late, oh, well. Oh, well. Everybody will be offended. That's true. So, if this is episode 11, cool. If this is episode 10, cool. Next week, we're going to talk about two PS2 games that are real good, that are real good, underappreciated JRPGs that I played last year because someone was like, you should play this game. You should play this game. <laughs> and I played it and I was like, holy crap, this is awesome. I need to tell more people about this game and we're going to do that. I'm such a bad influence. You're a great influence. Let's be real. <laughs> they are great games. They are great games. They're great games. Um. They're great games, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of Season Lamb Checkup OVA. And uh, all right, here we go. Spoiler time. Let's talk about the end of Persona 5. So the end of Persona 5 happens and here's what happens.